Okay, so tonight we have uh, Michael Murphy. We're just going to have a little chat about um, Future Ram in 1981. Um, myself and Michael have been going to gigs for a very long time. So, Michael, you're very welcome into the show well, here. Thanks very much. It's brilliant to be here. Yeah, yeah. I know this is a kind of strange one. So we just go back and forward. We just chat, butt in, interrupt as much as you want. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The last time we did a show, Michael, was probably 19... Was it 89 when we were on Capital Radio, Capital Night Sky? Yeah, 1989, I remember it, it well. I I remember that we decided to not just do music and chat, that we would also read out a comic. Yeah. A comic called Crisis. Yeah. yeah. Which is from the people who did 2018. Great comic that, that didn't last. Um, but I... I would imagine the station almost lost their license over that particular show. <laughs> the Cola Cola Kid? Yeah. <laughs> hardly, hardly. Um, but yeah, so that was eight years after you went to see Futurama Festival. And so when we were back and forward about this show, you were kind of, when we were saying, oh, you know, talk about maybe some gigs because of the book. We'll, we'll get a plug in for the book as well at some stage. Great gig memories. But um we were going to do a, like a playlist of different gigs or whatever and talk about different gigs, but you went with this whole festival, which was Futurama. Um, so in, in 1981, like you were only a young chap in Dublin. So what, what were you listening to at that stage in 1981? In 1981, I had just in the summer of 1981, I just finished my first year in college and I went to college in the city centre specifically so I could just hang around record shops and go to as many gigs as possible. And, you know, I, I was one of those people, I, I was 18 uh, in 1981. I was one of those people who came upon punk rock in a very, very visceral, a very real, a, a very motivating way through my older brother, John, who uh, he had left school and he had got a job. So he was making an income. Uh, people that I knew didn't have a whole load of money at the, at the early 1980s. But John had a job. He was buying records. So he was buying every Clash single, every Stiff Little Finger single, every Banshee single, um, every Fall single. He was buying albums as well. So he, he was buying Crass as soon as they came out. So I was getting this amazing education where I wasn't just hoping to hear a song that I liked on the radio or once a week, Top of the Pops was, was, I was of that generation where Top of the Pops was literally a life changer and it was on every week. And if you saw a band that really mattered to you, it just gave you such a psychological feeling. It gave you a connection with something that felt really far away. So it was this really, really strange elasticity is what I would see it as. You know, there was someone, the skids on top of the pops. That's a huge moment for me. Are, are, are the, the members on top of the pops are Sham 69. And I felt that those people were so distanced from my existence, so far away from my life. But in those three minutes, I felt that I was part of a gang and more importantly, I was part of a gang that was winning. Yeah. And, they were and on most, TV. Yeah. Most of those weeks on top of the pops, there would be at least one good song, wasn't there? Absolutely. And if yeah. there wasn't, there was a reason to be really angry that you were watching Boney M or you were watching, you know, some cabaret act who were in the charts and you were just feeling such a burn that you were been forced to watch a rubbish band when you knew that there was really good stuff, yeah. you know, that had just been released. And and where where were you here other than St. John? Was, was How else were you getting to know about bands that should have been on top of the pop star? Like, had you been going to gigs for long as well? I didn't go to gigs until I was 17, basically until I left school. So May 1980 was my first gig, but I was very lucky that it was an incredible gig. It was Dexy's Midnight Runners on the Searching for the Young Soul Rebels tour. 
uh, tearjerkers who were on Good Vibes, open for it. It was in the mansion house, you know, in the Lord Mayor's house. So I that absolutely transformed my existence. And bizarrely, the day after that, I was invited down to RTE Studios to, to review gig or to review um singles. So I had this moment where I went from being a schoolboy, going on the holidays, going to my first gig, then going on RT for an hour with, with a guy called Terry O'Neill, who had been the booker, booking agent at McGonagall's. And I think the DJ was a guy called Jimmy Greeley. And he'd play a song and then he'd ask me what I thought of it. And if it was rubbish, I was, you know, you're young enough that you feel that you, you should tell the nation how crap that song is. And if it's a good one, I was really, really lucky that one of my absolute lifelong favorite bands were on it. The, the Radiators are the Radiators from Space. And just being in a studio, you know, in a professional studio, no offense to you with your fine setup. This is very professional. But, yeah. But being in the state broadcaster, you know, and talking about records as an 18 year old, um, the night after I went to my first gig, which was incredible, uh, was was an amazing experience. So I was going to see every band that I could. I'd got to see the skids early on. I'd got to see the radiators. The great thing about going to, to university for me was that I got to see all the bands that came and played in the college. And, you know, I, I was absolutely fired up and ready. I I kind of had lived my whole life in anticipation of being able to go to gigs. And then when I went to them, it was even better than I had imagined. Yeah. And so, uh, as I was saying, how how did you get to hear about um, these bands? And then, like, was it just by going, oh, there's a gig on, I'm going to go to it? Or was it all just John? Or was there anything else going on? And then from that then, like, how did you hear about Futurama? Because, you know, there was no no internet or whatever. So, and, and you need to, know in advance about these things. Um, so how did you get to hear about them? The, the bands that I loved, I got to hear through through my older brother's record collection, through the few records. I didn't have a lot of money I um, when, when I was going to school to buy records. But going to record shops was an absolutely key experience because you could see what records were coming out. If you're lucky, they might play a single that you liked. John was buying the NME, so I was reading the NME. It, it was being passed around. I was lucky when I went to, to college. There was a guy up the road, Johnny Kremen, who was just as passionate about music. He had some really cool friends. So someone would buy the NME and it would be passed around. Seven or eight people would read it. Hires radio station. I, I can't even explain how important they were to me you know you listen to rte and I, I know this show was in celebration of futurama i remember hearing larry gogan you know daytime radio playing we don't need this fascist groove tang by heaven 17 you know daytime on the, the most listened to radio station in the country did the only um major um radio station that went around the country but it was the nighttime radio john peel um on, on the bbc radio luxembourg was very very important to me for pop music and you know that they got um into i liked what they were playing um when i was into my pop music you know as a as a tween listening to the carpenters or, or to sweet or, or slade uh, david bowie was massive but Pirate radio in Dublin was was huge. Pat James, I maybe one third of, and I had a small record collection, but maybe one third of it was stuff that I'd only heard on, on Pat James. Very good. And what about Futurama then? So, like, how did you know that this festival was was coming on coming up? And you know, what convinced you to to go over to that? Well, reading the enemy was. You know, it's like reading a newspaper from, from a different country. And 
they mentioned that they had an ad for Futurama. And I'd read reviews of the previous ones that had kind of the defining bands of the era. So bands to me like Joy Division, Public Image Limited, Echo and the Bunnymen, even Altered Images, whose first single was one of the most important records in my life, you know, when I was 18, 19. So I knew that this thing called Futurama, this, I didn't know what a festival was because I'd never gone to one. But I knew that it was a thing where a whole load of bands played over two days. And they announced the one for September 1981. And I think early on, they announced that Simple Minds would be playing, that Gang of Four would be playing. I think in the early announcements, they said that Bauhaus would be playing. And these were all bands that, that I was really interested in. I don't know if I had any Bauhaus records at the time. I would have heard them on the radio. I would have heard them going into Liffey Street, Golden Discs. I certainly would have heard Gang of Four religiously from, from John's record collection. And Simple Minds, their previous record, I'd actually bought. It was one of the few albums that, that I owned. I think I got it in Dunleary, in, in Exiles. And... I just played that record over and over. And to me, punk rock wasn't a recipe. Punk rock was a series of ingredients that you could do anything that you wanted with. So there was no template saying the song had to sound like The Clash. Yeah, yeah. Because as soon as, as Crass came along, as, as soon as... Susie and the Banshees came along as soon as I heard Patti Smith. I realized that there was no recipe, there was no formula for punk rock. So by 1981, music had spread out in loads of different directions. But to me, because I had such an emotional attachment to punk, everything good had come out of punk, yeah, out of yeah. this, this, this non-recipe yeah. of punk. Yeah. And I think you had a similar experience with the oh, second Skids album, with um, or maybe even the first one, Days in Europa. Days in Europa, the second one. Mm. I I think that was the first album that I paid full price for the week it came out. Yeah, and that's not punk rock. It's got keyboards. It's got guitars that sound like they're on the verge of guitar solos, which I knew were forbidden. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that wasn't allowed, but it was the most brilliant sonic landscape that I had ever discovered on yeah. my own with my own money. Yeah, yeah. And that was saying punk rock was absolutely just a series of ingredients and go and do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Excellent. And but but again, you know, Dublin 1981. You know, not too many people would would be traveling for a weekend or a few days away to the UK. They're either going to emigrate um, or they're just not getting it together. Uh, so w what made you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to go over to that festival. That looks that looks good because there wouldn't have been too many people traveling over to gigs, will there? No, I, I, I went with my friend Simon, who I knew from school, who was just as mad into music as I was. He had gone to art school. NCAD and we'd kept in touch over that first year um, at, at college and we met another two blokes from Dublin uh, I think one of them was the brother of Gavin Friday from the Virgin Prunes and his friend I'd known to see at Virgin Prunes gigs um, I think it's, his name was John because like, I met him later in London uh, through Dermot from the Pleasure Cell. And he used to have the tartan pants. Um, and we used to call him Mini Gavin. You know, you kind of had a nickname for people that you didn't know, or you, you know, some way yeah. of yeah. kind of putting it in your mind. Okay, they're, they're in my tribe, even though I don't know them and I'll never ever speak to them in, in my life, but I've seen them at, at gigs. So I didn't see anyone else that I recognized from gigs in Dublin. So I don't think that there was much of a, a yeah. much of a, a 
a group of people going over um, on yeah. the boat as it yeah. would have been yeah. to that gig from Dublin. Yeah. So um, we might just play a song. Um, first one you picked was The Passions. I'm in love with a German film star. Um, why, why The Passions and why that song? I absolutely adore this band. I adore the voice that accompanied the passion song, which, which again, to me, it was like penetration where it was, God, there's a woman's voice and it's, it's coming from punk, but to me, it wasn't, it wasn't punk because there was no recipe for punk as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I discovered that she was Irish and she was on the radio and they got the top of the pops. And this was absolute, this was music that did to me what David Bowie had done, you know, a few years previously. It was just music that, that seemed magic. Hmm. And to answer your question about why did I go over on a boat to a field in the middle of Staffordshire, I didn't even know where the place was. And yet I would, I was paying money to go, go, go over to it. Um, it was because I felt living in Dublin, I will never, ever get to see most of these bands. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to go. This might be my only chance to see them. And the passions were there and they sounded beautiful in this smelly English hall. That was a foreign country for me that smelt of cow excrement. <laughs> Okay, well, let's let's have a listen to it. This is I'm in love with a German film star, The Passions.
So that's Gang of Four with Outside the Trains Don't Run on Time. And I think we just went straight into the next song there, but we're, we're back on back on track now. So before that was I'm in love with a German film star by the passions, and then with Gang of Four. So I'm chatting to Michael about Futurama 1981. And uh, did you get them potatoes, uh, Stuart Michael? Yeah, I did. I, I've um, some lovely curry potatoes um, on on the on the way, and lovely. just have to turn them over every ten minutes. Makes oh, them okay. even better. Oh, very good. Well, well, we'll we'll talk for a few minutes and give you a chance now when there's a song. <laughs> so, Gang of Four and and the passions you're at Futurama. Um, I must it must be just incredible. You're you're over there as and you've been going to gigs for a year in Dublin, but you know you've seen a few bands. But have you seen anything like this previously? In all honesty, I haven't, I haven't had a live music experience like this. And I probably saw more bands over the two days at Futurama, you know, than I would in two months in Dublin. And I, I just noticed that you've played two songs on the show so far. Yeah. And they featured three contributors to, uh, to the book, uh, two members of Gang of Four wrote for the book and then Barbara Gogan from The Passions. Uh, wrote for for the benefit book so um I, I, I so much respect for the people who took time out that's nice to, pro- product placement did you did you maybe maybe we thought about that have we done that in advance no <laughs> it no no it is the honest answer um yeah. but i i certainly hadn't you know i saw more bands as as i say um on on that weekend probably as many as i'd maybe as many gigs as I'd been to in that, like maybe I'd been to a gig a week. Um, so maybe I'd been to 50 gigs and, you know, I, I saw, you know, close to 50 gigs over there, but seeing a band like the Gang of Four, who never came to Ireland in in their original um, incarnation, seeing them in England, I, I was very, very passionate Irish person. I really was very committed to living my life in in Ireland. I always presumed that I'd go away for holidays, but that Ireland was my home. I was incredibly attached to Ireland um, for, for, for everything that it was. But going to this festival in 1981 and hearing Gang of Four, seeing the passions, witnessing Theatre of Hate, I... I was very, very changed by it. And I came away feeling that maybe my future wasn't in Ireland after all, because the the thrill, the excitement that I got from seeing those bands at, you know, as a 19 year old, it it was something I hadn't experienced before. And, you know, Gang of Four were incredible live. They were just a, a sensation. They were a complete experience yeah they played last on the i'm looking at the lineup here so they played last i am um, on the on the first night on saturday it was a, it was a two-day festival saturday and sunday and gang of four played last so um it must have been some end to that it, day. it was incredible because it was my first time in england and i was you know the, the gig ended maybe at, maybe around two o'clock in the morning and there was a big marquee set up uh, they were giving out plastic bags for people who didn't have, hadn't brought their sleeping bags. But, you know, we brought sleeping bags over. And, you know, we, you're aware that you're in a different country. And, you know, there's a whole load of people who you don't know. And they're lying on the ground and they've seen what you've seen. But at the back of my head, I was thinking, they could go and see Gang of Four probably four or five times in the next month if Gang of Four tour on this album. And I might never get to see them again in my life. So oh yeah, it was an yeah. intense mixture of emotions. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so up next, we're going to play Theatre of Hate. They played on that night as well, that Saturday night. Um, and that must have been intense as well, because their sound is, is it's an incredible sound, but it's haunting at times, isn't it? It's, it, you know, you I don't want to. I don't want to uh, presuppose anything. But you, had you heard anything like that even before? I certainly had never heard a band play with the type of passion, aggression, intensity that I witnessed that that night at Futurama. I'd never ever seen that. Next season, Midnight Runners. In, in fairness, 
had that aggression. They had that passion. They had that level of musicality. They, they both had brass. But Hater of Hate were like sharpened steel to me. They, they were, they had a viciousness to them. I, I think it's the only way I, mm. I, I can describe it. Yeah. There, it was, again, to me, there was no recipe with punk rock except saying, go and grow whatever you want and do whatever you want with it. Mm. You, mm. you know, that, that, that was the, the message to me in punk rock. But this to me had a bit of that aggression of the clash, but a hundred times more refined that there was, that there were slower songs. It, it's funny. You, you mentioned that, um, you know, it, it, just the experience, you know, there's a song called love is a ghost and it, it, it wasn't a nice ghost you know, as you're listening to it. I think, oh, okay, it's probably a friendly ghost. Yeah, Casper. Yeah, it wasn't Casper. It seemed like a ghost that would rip your entrails out and swing them around. And I had heard a couple of the singles again on the pirate radio. My, my friend Simon Lochran had bought a couple of their, you know, had bought their early singles. So I was very, very familiar with the singles, but nothing prepared me for the for the onslaught of, of this band doing a full set in in a smelly English hall that, yeah. that stank of cow, cow poo and horse wee. It was a, a used for agricultural yeah. um, fairs. So yeah. um, it, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a luxury place. Right. Okay. So let's have a listen to them, Theatre of Hate, and then we'll go with Virgin Prunes then after that. Stop. 
just uh, shutting that down a little bit probably about 20 seconds too early but it just keeps going like that at the end so we'll just um maybe just get so we can keep talking and keep chatting about um futurama and you sleeping in the shed Michael. sleeping in the big shed but as much as it was a voyage a, a pilgrimage really Niall, it was a pilgrimage for me going over to see the music that meant so much to me but i was also going to see my home team playing away. Yeah. And my home team, as, as much as I had one, was the Virgin Prunes. Mm. Had you seen they them were, beforehand? Oh, yeah. They, they were the band as soon as I could go to gigs that any time they were playing, I did everything in my power to go and see them. 
and again, I was lucky. John Kremen up the road and, and his friends. There was another couple of people who lived across the road from him. So there were four families on our little, little suburban road in Dean's Grange that went to the Prunes and our mates went as well. So there was about nine or ten of us any time the Prunes played. I, I wouldn't say there was another street in Ireland that had as many Prunes fans. Um, but they were absolutely extraordinary band to see to witness you never knew what was going to happen people obviously remember them and, and write about them and think about them in terms of their visual you know that their mad appearance and you know they're you know kind of playing with with gender stereotypes with 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 the whole idea of stagecraft but to me they don't get enough credit for their music i i still think that they were a brilliant band yeah. Never mind what they looked like. I suppose they, they are known. Were, they're known for pushing boundaries, aren't they? Yeah, for for yeah. pushing boundaries, mm. for being theatrical, and they did. You know, I saw them at the TV club, and they came on stage. You know, one of them pushing another one in a wheelchair. There was a big table laid out. I saw them in in the project. You know, where some of them did a thing that that Stano appeared. Uh, and Stano was a, was another part of that. That underground in Dublin, which was very, very small. People should not think that it was a big scene. And I, I think that the Dublin music scene was actually loads of tiny scenes that sometimes came together. But yeah. to me, each band that played in the underground, which is where I would have met you um, yeah. in, in terms of, of going to see gigs, each of those bands had their own followers, like, like a little football team. And the followers that went to see a house or something happens or the garden hasn't changed much or the plops, they weren't going to see loads of other bands. They went to see their band. Yeah, yeah. Their mates. And maybe, it, you know, when you got a bit of airplay on Dave Fanning, you got people who you didn't know personally going mm. to see bands. But the, the Virgin Prunes, to me, completely changed the Dublin music landscape mm. because they were on rough trade, which yeah, yeah. coolest label on the planet. They were yeah. they were on the radio. They were getting reviews in in sounds and you you know certainly I couldn't afford music papers. I don't think a lot of people could see so go into Eason's to read them and to see you know what, what bands were getting talked about. You you bought the NME but you read the others where you could and the Virgin Prunes just live every yeah. single gig were, were, were just monumental. And how did great they, fun. Yeah. How did they go down over at Futurama? They went down at Futurama very badly. <laughs> and this is, this is how exotic um, the whole scenario was that, you know, on the poster for Futurama, it had, you know, the list of bands, Jab Wobble and Human Condition, um, you know, the Theatre of Hate, the Higsons, UK Decay, yeah. the Sounds, Ravenna and the Magnetics. And then it said Virgin Prunes and in brackets from Ireland. You know, that was part of how they were announcing this band that they were from Ireland. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that matters because the Irish underground scene didn't really have anything to do with the, the UK underground scene. Yeah. Uh, and we we're very, very poorly represented even in the independent charts, which were really, really important to consumers, even in Ireland, but very, very seldom would you get an Irish act in yeah. there. And the Virgin Prunes, they were booted off stage. Um, Allegedly because they overran, well, allegedly because they overran and then allegedly because they were so challenging to the, to the audience, to, yeah. to the group of, of music fans gathered for challenging music. And the Virgin yeah. Prunes were too much for them. In a field, but, um, in, a, in a smelly field. And, and, I mean, it was indoor in the, in the smelly agricultural hall. Okay. <laughs> but um, it, they, they, were, they were as good as they ever were. And they certainly weren't playing the hits to try and appeal to the to the English crowd. They were as 
confrontational and direct and funny in a in a way that maybe yeah. you had to be in on the joke to, to yeah. realize how funny it was. Yeah. But they were brilliant, but they did not go down at all right. well. And and before the before the prunes went on, uh, Bow Wow Wow played. And you, you have them down as, as a song to play. What, what's your memories of seeing Bow Wow Wow? Again, they were a band that I figured I'd never, ever see in Ireland. Yeah. And I was right. They never came to Ireland. But, you know, I I was intrigued by them because of the Malcolm McLaren Sex Pistols connection. And John was buying their singles. And, and you know, I remember W-O-R-K-N-O. Um, you know, yeah. work the single. Yeah. This is what we're going to play. Oh, brilliant. Okay. And seeing the single and it was blue. Well, it was mainly pink and yellow. There might have been blue in there as well, but it was very bright. It looked like a piece of pop product. But, and, and it had the lyrics written. And the closer I looked at it, I thought, hang on, there's something not right here. This isn't shiny, happy pop product. And it was in the shape of a swastika. And to me, that was a very, very forbidden, bad symbol that represented the Nazis. It represented the Holocaust. And for a pop product to have this, this symbol, this obnoxious symbol on it was really, really, it, it certainly took me aback. I loved Bow Wow Wow for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, that, that it was this complete critique of how we lived. You know, they weren't saying, take this job and shove it. They were saying, take every job and shove it. Yeah, yeah. This was career opportunities multiplied by 100. Yeah. Um, a very, very intriguing girl singer, which I didn't see enough of. And so that, that was very interesting. That was very appealing because I thought it, it was the one failure of, of punk was that I didn't see 50% of, of people on, in bands or on stage um, being, being women or, yeah, or yeah. non-male. Non um, and I just thought the idea that this was a band at a time when the music industry was saying, um, oh, don't be naughty, don't record uh, music on, on cassette tapes. Yeah. That, you know, they, they released a cassette yeah. album. Yeah. You know, that was absolutely endorsing home taping yeah and live they were absolutely brilliant okay sure let's have a listen to them w-o-r-k-n-o um
So that was Bow Wow Wow, W O R K N O, work, no. Um, and so, Michael, you saw them uh, just before Virgin Prunes uh, in Futurama. Um, so it's it's funny when we're chatting, you know, before before I lined this song up, we like, you know, I went to, I was about 30 minutes of music and we'll chat for 30 minutes, but um, time kind of uh, doesn't, tends not to go like that so much when we get talking, I suppose, you know. Um, but um, I want to just talk about, you have Simple Minds down and um, it's interesting um, in all the years, like, you know, we've been um, chatting away and, and talking about punk rock and, and I love that line where you say it's all ingredients. Um, Simple Minds were never in the ingredients for me. Um, and I, I never, never really beyond, I suppose, a few whatever chart songs or whatever their hits, um, never really listened to them or paid any attention to them, never felt the need to. Um, but you always reference them, which, which I find very interesting. Um, you, you said earlier that they were a, a really important band for you. Um, so seeing them headline, I suppose they went on last on, 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 the, on the Saturday, on the Sunday night, you'd you know, made your way over on, on the ferry. You must have been a tiring trip. You slept on the floor on the Saturday night. Were, were you still, though, enthusiastic? Were you still like, oh, my God, this is Simple Minds, you know? Um, did you have the stamina to keep going? Because I know if we were at Rebellion now, I'd be going, oh, man, last band on on the Sunday night. Um, but how was Simple Minds? It's a good question about the stamina. Like I was drinking all of this in now. Like I, you know, I, I, I just felt so privileged to be there, and so I, I was tired. I, I, if I'm being very honest, and and I met Abo years later, um, the singer from UK Decay. I definitely nodded off during UK Decay, um, very very briefly. But you know, I was that fatigued, and I didn't sleep well in 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 the big tent because there was someone. Um, you know, and then English accent going around shouting that he was going to stab people. And I thought, you know, at least I saw a Gang of Four before I got stabbed. Um, but I'd like to see Simple Minds before, if, if he's going to stab me. If I prefer if it was on the second night. But um, so who would it know, be worth being stabbed more for? Simple oh, Minds it, or Gang of Four? It, okay, the, this conversation has taken a dark turn. <laughs> so I'm going to go back. Um, Simple Minds to me, and, and I totally respect your opinion and, and totally understand where you're coming from. But to me, they're why punk rock really matters in a way that people don't appreciate. Because to me, this is a band that was a punk band. You know, they started off as a punk band um, with a rude name, so I can't say it because um, I know you have a lot of young people who listen to your show. Um, and you know, they did the punk thing briefly. They were on, was it Chiswick or Stiff? They did the compilation record and they'd done a tour of Britain, um, the, the Stiff and Chiswick people looking for new bands. And then to me, Simple Minds seemed to go down an avenue for, for me personally that that the skids had opened my door to, my, or, you know, my, my perception that, but keyboards are kind of cool. And then I started listening a little. I'd been aware of craft work and this kind of robotic rhythmic, you know, and through David Bowie as well. So Simple Minds to me were this really, really cool. And I know they became very, very successful later. But, but at this moment, I bought um, Empires and Dance and Dunleary and it just, you know, it, it was disco as well as punk rock as well as pop music, as well as something that was challenging and alternative and, and pushing the envelopes. And I bought Sons of Fascination um, the day after Futurama in Liverpool. And to me, it wasn't just a festival of music. It was all the things that, around, that went around it. And yeah. Simple Minds, this was the moment I think they went from being a cult band who had been on John Peel to where they became a top of the pops band and then became a, a hugely successful band. But um, they were magnificent live. And okay. Excellent. So we're going to play Sons and Fascination, and this is uh, Simple Minds.
Okay, Simple Minds, Sons and Fascination. Um, thanks for um introducing that song to me, Michael. Uh, forty years later, forty years later. Um, yeah, and I will check out that other song as well. Um, yeah. So I, our idea was to um, or my idea, and when we were chatting about this, was we we'd go through and we do one show on this, and we'll talk about Futurama. But I think there's a few more stories to go, so we might do a, a part two if that's if that's okay with you, because the show is only supposed to be an hour long, so. I'd be delighted any any time, Niall. Be delighted. Yeah, yeah. It's been great fun. So you have to you have to um give me a few more simple mind songs that I need to listen to. Um you know, it's one no. thing it's it's the it's an interesting thing, you know, because I suppose you know, punk rock for me, um I don't know, it, it was probably I remember I used to people would say, Oh, have you ever heard of you mentioned David Bowie? People would say, Have you listened to Bowie or have you listened to you know, even even 60s garage stuff. And I was going, no, I have enough bands to listen to now. I don't need to listen to anyone else, um, which was bad, I think, looking back on it. But it was what it, it was. I had enough bands at the time, you know, but um, it was it, it was interesting that it kind of like music started with all these punk bands. Um, but, you know, like you say, there was, there was so many different types, wasn't there? So diverse. Yeah, I, and that's the great gift, and I don't think it's appreciated. And obviously, you know, people who like punk music, you know, they, they like their punk music. But to me, culturally, punk hasn't been appreciated for what it did in terms of starting bands like Dex's Midnight Runners or even Duran Duran, the, you know, the, the bass player from Duran Duran. One of the best books about punk is the first half of his autobiography where he's just talking about the bands he went to see and just, just his love of this, this early music that then inspired him to, to get in a band. And, uh, you know, it's funny, on the ferry on the way over, we went on the Thursday night, you got the overnight ferry and you try and get a bit of sleep on the ferry and get into Liverpool um, in, early in the morning. But Top of the Pops was on. And at that stage, I wouldn't have been that interested in Top of the Pops because it, it wasn't like 77 or 78 or or even 79. But Duran Duran were on. I think it was their first time on. They were doing Planet Earth. And I remember, um, you know, thinking, God, I hope Simple Minds are, you know, as big as that someday or yeah, get, get God, the recognition. Yeah. yeah. They will. Because they're much better. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Well, we, we'll we'll leave it there for tonight and we come back and do a, a part two um, maybe in, in a week or so if, if you're around. Thanks a million. I loved it. Loved Excellent. It. Excellent.